everyone. How are we? I'm so glad you're here. Welcome back to Does It Hurt When You Do That? Don't Do That, my friends. Today's guest is Terero Mavondo. She is an incredible human and genuine beam of light. She calls herself a slashy in that she is a multidisciplinary storyteller, slash theatre maker, slash curator, slash actor, slash cultural diversity and performance consultant across the performing arts, education, government, mental health, law enforcement and social justice. Born in Zimbabwe, she graduated from the Victorian College of the Arts as an actor and trained in dance in the US, studied decolonial studies in South Africa. She's acted with Australia's theatre companies such as the Melbourne Theatre Company, Sydney Theatre Company, Bell Shakespeare. She's been on TV and won a bunch of awards for her spoken word as well. She now co-directs Western Edge Youth Arts, a contemporary company that works across Melbourne's western suburbs, providing space for young people to come together and tell their own stories in their own way and with their own voice. And in today's episode, she shares some of her own stories and her voice, her insight on what it is to be in a process of becoming and the different ways that she is coming home to herself. And so we talk a lot about the mind and the body and she talks about the chakra system, which in yogic philosophy are the energy centers at different places within the body. And when we get to that part, I want to let you know if you're like, whoa, this is a bit woo-woo. I thought this was a podcast, not a cult. It's not a cult. And <laughs> I just wanted to give you a heads up to get your comfy pants on because there's some relatively uncomfortable things that we talk about, like race and how to be an ally and how to get more comfortable with talking about the uncomfortable things. Things we might not fully understand, so we just give it a red hot go and, you know, yeah, do our best, which is what I really believe we all are, right? We also talk about laughter and joy and flowers and the sea and how humans are soup and I am so grateful that I get to share this with you. So I'm going to leave you to your walk, your morning coffee or whatever it is that you're doing while you listen to this chat, my friends. This is Terero Mavondo. But I couldn't do it if you weren't here with me, so thank you so much for being here. And you're my guest today. Who are you? Well, um, I am a poetic human, like uh, most humans, or all humans. Um, so my name's Tariro, um, and that's an interesting question right now. It's like, um, I think the thing that's resonating the most is kind of like I am a curbside photographer and um getting really inspired by flowers like it's been this real like deep awakening of I don't know what it's just like I think it's um my ex-partner just really I think gifted me with me returning to my natural self and so um, I've been just enamored by flowers so I take photos of flowers as a way to calm down as a way as a meditation just as a way to regulate my nervous system and so um yeah I've just, I've just been taking flowers I'd call myself a curbside uh nat nature photographer who then gets inspired by the nature that I'm kind of taking and um and absorbing in and then I write poetry as kind of like life life hacks or life lessons so that's how I would describe myself right now in the truest sense of the term but I guess in the slash 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 slashies um <laughs> I shrug because I know what it is to be a slashy and you can describe yourself however you like you know and I open with this question because it is like 
who are we? And and then if we're a slashy, then it's oh, but what one are what one are you the most though? Or you know, yeah. So you keep going however you want. <laughs> well, right now I'm um, co artistic director and co CEO of a um, youth performing arts company based in Nam in the western suburbs of Melbourne, and we work predominantly with uh, young people of colour artists um, and that's been a real gift for me and again like a real coming home it's been kind of like I've been able to use all these disciplines that I feel like I've been kind of accumulating and and um, refining along the way and I found a place where I can use all of them and that's been really yeah, really special. And I just love young people. I just think they're so in that process of becoming, which I just, I think as adults, it's so hard to remember that we're always in a process um, and they just are it. So they remind me to always continuously be in a process of becoming, of becoming. There's, there's a full stop, but then it keeps going and there's another full stop and sometimes it's a comma, sometimes it's a semicolon and then you just keep going. Um, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and so that feels really um, like I'm coming back to myself. Like it's a definite, I feel like I'm in a, a different place in my life than I have ever been. Um, so I started off as a dancer and um, and then I went into acting and then discovered spoken word poetry because I was at a <clears throat> acting institution at the BCA, Victorian College of the Arts, and I was just like feeling um, super a bit like limited in the sense of like my own creativity because um, I was just like, it's a funny thing with acting for a while you realise, especially when you're in, in drama school, but when you've been acting a long time, you go, oh, I think I'm spending more time being, one of my friends said this and I, it, it just kind of clued in. I was like, it dropped in. I was like, oh my gosh, sometimes I am performing more than I'm being myself. And that's, um, that's scary. And so actually poetry was a way to just remember what my voice is, not just in terms of like, like, like in terms of cadence, in terms of tone, but just like the power and purpose and intention, like what is my essence um, because I'm losing it. <laughs> That's so fascinating and I, I experienced that as well in my training in dance and musical theatre and, yeah, it was only I kind of was like, oh, I'm telling other people's stories all the time mm -hmm. and – that is cool and I'm a storyteller, but then I am my storyteller or the way, the spin that I want to put on it. Mm. Um, one thing that really struck me with what you were saying before about you feel like you're coming back into yourself. What was there anything in particular, I guess, that made you be away? Being a human. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. That's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> Having to go through all the things. And I guess what I mean for me when I say I'm coming back to myself is like, um, like I feel like I've been through certain stages of my life. I, I'm going to get real, real, like, like here. Like I think um, – you know, in my 20s, um, like I came from a Mormon background and so like religion and kind of um, God, the, my relationship to God, which um, is both a benevolent and a, bene uh, and benevolent, and a benevolent um, being at the same time, that was confusing growing up, like exploring my sexuality as a young person and feeling shame, like like literally Jesus was like up there on my wall. Like, um, and so I felt such shame, like exploring my own kind of pleasure. And, and so I think when I left home and I kind of left home because of that, I was like, I need to find me. I need to find who this being is that has been kind of mothered and fathered 
uh, in a very particular way um, in a, with an African family um, who has resettled to Australia and that comes with a whole bunch of complexity um, that I think they were both dealing with very differently. And as a result, I feel like I want to be able to be somewhere where I'm just by myself and can kind of explore who I am outside of the home. So I guess that was my leaving, leaving home moment. And, um, and then, yeah. And my kind of leaving the church, I'd say moment too. I mean, that happened later, but yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say I started to navigate different spiritual practices. Like I really went into kind of like Hare Krishna. I went into like, um, uh, Buddhism deeply I was uh, doing a lot of Vipassanas and so I had that kind of spiritual awakening I'd call it that wasn't necessarily there's a God and there's that there's a trinity God Jesus Holy Spirit it was like a different way of being it was a like spiritual um, practice as opposed to an institutionalized uh, spiritual practice and I don't want to slam Mormonism actually because I think there's some good things but there's some challenging things as well um and yeah, and so I feel like in my 20s, I just went through like a period of debauchery, like just kind of experimenting, exploring um, as much as I could. And now that I'm 36, I feel like the coming home to myself is, all right, you got that out of the way. Um, now, who are you now and who do you want to be now? And it feels like having fun and play, um, but also looking after my body, thinking about what I um, what I put into my body, um, exercising, yoga, um, meditating, the like journaling. It's like all those things that give me nutrients and nourishment feel really like a coming home, like a, I'm loving myself. It's a self-love journey in a way that I feel like I've been output, output, output. Um, but not really putting in heaps and heaps and heaps of love into myself. And I'm, now I'm just like blissing myself up with like, like just packing myself with self-love. That's sensational. And you make it sound so delicious, like packing <laughs> myself with self-love because, okay, so that's going to lead us to our first question, which I'll ask in just a moment. But I feel like for me, what, you know, we hear self-love, what it, sounds like and what it actually means to develop a deep connection understanding and loving relationship with oneself because like you said being human (laughs) (laughs) so if I was to take you to to say does it hurt when you do that don't do that what's that what's the (laughs) that that's like oh I'm doing that or it hurts don't do that Ooh, I'm being hard on myself. I think that's the, like, when you say that, that's what I get from that. Like, I think living in a pandemic, I've just been thinking about humanness and how actually it just really feels like the human is very vulnerable. And we are so, like, we are so beautiful in our vulnerability. Um, And I've just renewed my sense of, like, love for being human it's just like wow we're fragile and there's something really um amazing about that and so I think about when the ouch feeling feels like all the times I've I felt like to be me has been achievements to be me has been being a yes person um to be me has been not listening to my boundaries but accepting other people's boundaries and not having boundaries. Um, But actually there's a toxicity in being a martyr. There's a toxicity in being a high achiever and there's a real toxicity in, um, yeah, saving people (laughs) Um, other than myself. (laughs) So, um, and, and just really beating myself up for this, freaking amazing freaking journey that we're on called life and just going wow I would I have been so hard on myself 
and not I have not given myself enough breaks. Yeah, thank you. Where do you think that that? So one of my friends, um, I one of my friends put it very correctly for me personally. She said I have a broken nuffermometer, so like I don't know when enough is enough in some ways and it, yeah I love it because it's something that's really complex and difficult and intense and you, you know and I said to like I started with a new psychologist and he was like what's happening and I was like look I, I think I should let you know that I've got a broken nuffermometer and we want to we want to figure out why my nuffermometer is broken <laughs> so for you and that seeing what it is to be you like you used to as achievement, as success, all this sort of thing. In this work that you've been doing of becoming, have you found where you think that need came from? I think it came from lots of places. I think um, I think actually I was having a real moment the other day and it just kind of like clicked. I was like, I think I've been feeling super apologist in the sense that feeling super grateful for having left Zimbabwe and been given an opportunity to be in um in Australia and feeling like there was this never-ending debt and so once I realized that whoa on a number of counts that's effed up um because I am human, so I belong anywhere in the world um, without feeling like I owe anyone anything other than myself. And number two, her? Like the Zimbabweans that I know <laughs> who stayed on the <laughs> who stayed on the continent, like um, that kind of that kind of being on your own land is not an underprivilege. To some degree it is, but to some degrees actually it isn't. And so I'm coming from a place of I'm kind of looking at it weird as well. And so that kind of um, released me of these attachments. I think attachments are the things that make us, um, yeah, make that take us away from our bliss state. One of my favorite Instagram Instagrammers, men, yeah, talks about this quite a bit. Like in terms of, as human beings, we like our natural state is to be freaking blissed out. To wake up going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, and just like give thanks to like the sun, like give thanks to the bed if you are waking up like on a bed, like. Just give thanks to the basic things. Give thanks to the fact that I'm not even thinking that I have to breathe. And it's all these attachments and expectations that I've placed on myself that I think also society has placed on me that then I have adopted and said, okay, I'll place it on myself too. Um, That has really, I think, um, taken me away from my happiness, from like pure joy. And I feel like, I'm waking up more and more in that kind of, oh my gosh, I'm alive, I'm alive. I'm just like blissing out on everything, like drinking water and just just really feeling like the the sensorial, like the scent, the scent, just really deep diving into the senses and going, whoa, it that's epic. That's like magic. Like water, H2O is H2O is magic. Oh, I love that. It's so interesting, isn't it? This, this, I've been thinking a lot in this lockdown stage, especially about joy. Um, mm. That is my middle name. Mm. You know, people are like, if, you know, if, if someone was to write the book of your life, like, what would it be? And I've always said her middle name is joy. And for me, mm. my kind of becoming and getting rid of the attachments has been like, you know what, that is actually who I am. And yeah, mm. um, what I was going to say is like, I've started whenever I go running now and I'm crossing a road, I do like a leap, like if I feel like it. Um, <laughs> but it's really interesting that this Instagram uh, said, you know, humans are meant to be in a bliss state because I'm studying psychology and we talk about how we are also hardwired for threat in some ways. We like evolutionarily to keep us safe 
we have stress responses to certain things and what is, I guess, a problem with our modern lives is we don't know, like our body is doing the same reaction to a whole bunch of email notifications that we used to do to the reaction of like a bear outside of where we're living. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all just figuring that out as we go. And what really um, ignited something in me when you were talking about like the nature and how it nourishes us. And I'd be really curious to what you think about this is mm-hmm. how do you think humans fit in in terms of being nature? How do you think we fit in? Yeah, I've been reading up on a lot of like African spirituality, which is often, and I talk about this a lot, like it's one of my favorite topics in terms of like um, the erasure of it globally in terms of um, um, or even cosmology and quite often like Kemetic, which is like an ancient Egyptian kind of um, spiritual science or a wisdom system. How do you spell um, that? Kemetic, you can spell it two ways. K-E-M-E-T-I-C or K-A-M-E-T-I-C with a A, K-A-M-I-T-I-C. Um, uh, really says, like, the fundamental pr- um, principle is, like, the whole universe, like, universal law, so L-O-R-E versus L-A-W, that there is already, like, a universal law that we are part of and that we exist in, whether we're conscious of it or not. And so universal law, it kind of says we're literally creating our, uh, we're co-creating our realities. And so it's like a feedback loop. So this reality actually, um, even though it feels really um, solid, is actually much, kind of like a projection, um, like a projection of everything, every thought that we've had every experience that we've had. And so I guess um, naturally what happens in the universe is that it harmonizes. And sometimes that is like harmony can doesn't always look joyful and blissful. Harmony can look real painful and um, like all of it exists, all of it is true. Um, it just means the balance, the, the harmony. For me, balance is like when the masculine and the feminine um, in anybody is meeting, there's an alignment there. And I guess, um, and that might look like, that might look like death, that might look like birth, that, that might look like um, suffering, that might look like, it, I think it looks different and it all exists. It's like how we respond to it, how we, how we respond to every moment. I think um, we then feed into the next kind of film. It's like a scene. It's like what what movie do we want to like make? And our habit, our habit sort of, I I feel like, um, or our patterns, like in terms of if I'm like, oh, I don't want to get up. I feel like that's a that's a particular projection. That's a particular frequency that that we're kind of um, that we're on. And so. We can change the script though at any moment. We can be like, okay, I don't feel that good, but I'm going to like literally shift it. And for me, the most powerful shift um, kind of portal is sound and music. I feel like that's the quickest for me. So I bought all these like singing bowls. And so if I'm fe- if I've woken up and I'm feeling like a bit sluggish and a, a bit kind of low, um, I will like play my singing bowls and shift that energy. That's so powerful. And how cool is that though? That like by hitting a thing on another thing creates a, a thing in the air which moves through to go into our bodies that resonates in a certain way to help us understand, embody, and change us. Like that is magical. I'm so that's a cool way to wake up. One of the things I think um, that's really easy to forget is the body. And you would know that you would know the power of the body as a dancer, like really intimately. And it's like when we forget our body, like we shut quite a bit down. Um, And and so I guess the kind of 
functionality or the philosophy behind like chakra systems is like every single chakra system houses emotion. And so with particular singing bowls, um, their frequency actually tune in to every single, uh, to, to a particular chakra point. So if you play on that point, you're actually literally moving energy. Um, yeah. What a curiosity to have and that this this vibration and this way, whether it's chakras, it's energy centers, or whether it's like a sensory kind of thing that's that's changing your neural pathways mm. is happening for you. Mm. Look at us. We're getting so buzzy and excited <laughs> about it. It's very cool. Very, very cool. I think um, we'll, the so much of what happens in – I guess our lives, this is something that I've been learning through reading about trauma sensitive yoga mm. is done without words. It's not a mental experience. It is a physical experience. And our society is kind of founded upon Western philosophy in some ways, which was, I think, therefore I am. Yes. This week I was actually at uni we were doing Freud and he was really criticized because he was saying that the body he was really emphasizing the body and the wisdom that and the desire that the body has that it can actually overrule reason and that's kind of like spooky to like you know to to when you got Jesus on your wall um <laughs> I grew up with Jesus in my house too and and I'm so blessed that I did because there was a lot of wonderful things about that but and I know for a lot of people that has then made them disconnected from various parts of themselves. Yeah. Going, yeah, there's something about gut health that's really, really important and just health in general. And I hate water, right? So, but I've had to learn <laughs> to love water because I'm like, actually, water is life. Like if I do not drink enough water in a day, um, I am not going to be my best self. Kind of like gut in terms of gut health, like I feel like that's probably one of the centers that are the most that that's the most important because the gut is like your intuition, your instinct, and so if that's not healthy, as like an embodied like leader of self, like your own self, how do you know how to guide yourself in the best way? Um, and I've been thinking a lot about all those sorts of connections. So if I was to say, does it hurt when you do that? Do that. What is it? <laughs> Drinking water? <laughs> Doesn't hurt. Is it hurting? <laughs> you tell me. Does it hurt when you do that? Do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. I don't know why my body just goes, oh, I need something with it. But, um, but I mean, if I drink, like when I drink it, it, it it's great of course one thing I love about water is like submerging myself in it because our skin is an organ that absorbs water so you know really viewing it as that and just like yeah right now I'm spreading my arms wide because I'm like imagining swimming in a pool and like absorbing water through my armpits like yeah just get it in me I, I started this when I was in New Zealand I like it was quite a challenging time in various ways but I was so grateful that I had amazing bodies of water to swim in and what I would do is I would like go to the sea and I would put my face my face like in the wave like I would like try and get the wave to hit me in the face mm. as much as possible mm. to be so humbled by the nature and just try and like absorb it yeah and the kind of like salt salt water like that that's got such good properties for the body like, um, yeah, I love being in water. I mean, I can't swim, so I float. But, um, but yeah, similarly, I love just being thrashed. It's like the most, <laughs> it's just so exhilarating and fun. Um, being kind of like reminded of my smallness in a way and my fragility kind of, I don't know why it makes me laugh and why it's like, I just, I just find it so <laughs> funny. Um, but this big body of a thing can just like slam me <laughs> slam me down <laughs> oh yeah okay I'm so it's so it's so neat to chat to you because like we met well we'd only met we'd, 
we did the physical theatre course, right? Yeah. Is that where we first met? Yes. And then we had the Ruckus Smorgasbord workshops. Yeah. And you were giving, I think it was an intersectionality talk, maybe? Yeah, I was running a... um. Yeah, yeah, it was intersectionalities like um, a cultural safety and diversity workshop with um, my co-artistic director Penny Penny Harpham at Western Edge Youth Arts. That would have been in two thousand and nineteen, I think. So between like that workshop and because I felt like what you were speaking about then was starting to kind of come more into like. Why people are like, oh God, we need to, <laughs> we need to do something here because this has been really out of balance for a really long time. Mm. And your workshop, I know, was to educate people on what that means and what can be done and what is being done in your work. How has, like, between then, that was January 2019, and now, how has that changed or what is different? at all yeah lots (laughs) um I think recognizing that as soon as you start to speak about race that actually it's such a uh, everybody kind of has a response to it and so it has to be kind of treated in a very very gentle kind way from my perspective in the sense that I want to create spaces of care and safety. Um, And so I think when I was running them then, I don't think I was thinking about the safety of white people in that equation. So I think what has evolved and changed then is I think um, I've been thinking about safety of all the people, all the participants in in the space, and it's in the delivery and I think in the uh, reframing of the workshop. So it's um, it really is a conversation and it is about really just kind of going, hey, yo, it's hard for everyone. Like it's fucking hard. It's, a, it's, it's, it's hard work. Like it's hard work no matter what kind of end of the spectrum or middle or wherever you lay on the kind of, yeah, like ethnicity spectrum. It's actually really complicated. Um, and so, yeah, I've been thinking that about that quite a bit in terms of um, positionality, where we all are positioned and that I think in order, like if it is something that you're interested in terms of like um, unification and equity and inclusivity and harmony, I feel like our responsibility, no matter where we are kind of um, standing on the spectrum, is doing the work. I think it's kind of going institutionalized racism and supremacy is just one layer, but the body is also an institution and it's also a layer. And if we're not working, like this is why I always come back to the power of the body and the importance of the body. Like I actually think, I think therefore I am, what that does is automatically, I think um, Descartes, divorced like the mind and the body and I think that's actually quite dangerous because where does the where does the head or the acid like this like the cerebral brain go if it's not in the body or it's not part of the body goes into this very abstract kind of place cloud Hi, it's me, JJ, in post-production editing room. Um, I'm totally sorry to do this, but basically something halfway through at this point in the episode happened with my mic, so it goes really weird and sounds scratchy, and uh, if you've listened this far, thank you so much, keep listening, um, because then we stop and I change mic and it just sounds like I'm a bit echoey, but Terrero does most of the talking, so you won't even notice it at all. Just imagine that it's Skype in 2008 okay thanks yeah it could be like your brain's in a jar and this is a hologram and you know that's that's one of the places where it could go and what's buzzy is we don't even know if that's that we haven't we don't even actually know if that's true but um i want you to keep on going because you're right about the body and yeah please keep going 
Yeah, and I think so concepts like race, if you don't have like a um, direct violent kind of like um, experience of experiencing of it to the in the day to day as the as the person receiving that, um, I think it can seem very abstract and floaty. Um, but so the work is really it's like that kind of like um, getting your body like moving and feeling like fluid and doing the like doing yoga doing stretches because you're actually preparing the body to be ready to hear about things like race and to actually kind of really engage in those conversations and so I guess um, for me the problem that I find at the moment in terms of talking about race is that often it's always like, oh, I don't have a, like, I hear a lot of white people go, I don't have a lived experience of it, so I can never understand it. I'm like, oh, no, no, but you do. You know what it is to be white. Like, is it the, is it the most recent, um, what do you call it, census, where people identify? You're literally, you're identifying how you, how you see yourself as a person. And a lot of white people see themselves as white. And so it's like that has a that that is a lived experience. Like that does come with all sorts of things, like shame and guilt, and like if you're kind of thinking about um, colonization and kind of like the dispossession of First Nations peoples all over the world, I can imagine that for a lot of white people that would that would bring up those things. And they're quite uncomfortable kind of emotions to navigate and move through. And again, it's like those life hacks. It's like, how do I regulate my nervous system like quicker so I can kind of go, oh, okay, I'm moving. Yep, okay, I can move through these really dense, hard emotions and I can move through it. And actually it can be a source of curiosity as opposed to pain and kind of like torment. I think there's something beautiful when you move through those sort of emotions. Um, and similarly from the perspective, I think of a person of color, color, like as a melanated woman, I feel like for me, it's going again, the attachment thing, going back to the attachment thing. It's like if I place too much attachment on my blackness or in anything, it's going to trap me. Like I've actually got to do the work and go, what's going to get me in my most blissed out, um, which is our natural state. Um, what's going to keep me blissed, blissed. And if it's hate or if it's like rage or if it's those things aren't going to keep me, like, get me there. So I've got to work through the density of those emotions. Um, whatever, what it is, whatever it is that you're feeling I think there's no bypassing the body. I think that's the only way we can actually move through all of this really tricky terrain and keep getting kind of like lighter and lighter about it um, and staying in our joy and our bliss more consistently. I think that is such a wonderful light to shine on it, you know, because like you said, talking about race, it's uncomfortable. And we're not taught, you know, depending on where you're from and all that sort of thing. It's, 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 yeah, we're not taught how to navigate it with ease, right? And like coming to the body and saying, if you can learn to, you know, be equipped to have the awareness to notice, okay, this is an emotional response and it wants to manifest behaviorally, but why? Oh, that's right. Conditioning from society or this person, you know, doesn't know or whatever. And I think one other thing about it, about coming back to the body, on the inside, regardless of your color, it's heart, lungs, gut, you know, muscles, testes, ovaries, whatever. Strip it all away. And like, I'm not saying that from like a color blindness, I don't see color kind of thing because that exists. And it's, it's, um, I, I, I love that. And also I think that that is, I, I, I find like, we're not very good at trusting stuff that we can't really see and know and understand, you know, and like, 
like you said, people are like, oh, it's all up here kind of thing. Oh, you've, oh that's beautiful. Like you said, it is work, right? And, um, well, for me, one little mantra in my work life that I have is don't let work define your day. And like thinking out loud, constructing what you said about doing this work about race. Don't let this work define your day. And but and and, and how to make it um, like it's uncomfortable, right? What have you found, like you said, with the safety makes it more comfortable? Because I think... It's that simple thing, like when somebody is heard, they're more open to receive and to give. Like just that's just like 101 foundational, like how we relate with everything, not just human to human relationships, but I think that's always with the natural world, with animals, with with plans. I think there's a, a spirit of reciprocity there. It's not just take, take, take. It's like, yeah, I think that's the, I think for me, that's a flow. That's a, that's where the flow happens. And that's in, in the flow is where the magic happens. And I feel like race, I can imagine that white people would feel very kind of like guarded and ready to be on the defense um, because, because I think there's a lot of rage um, that comes with that. That's part of the processing from like brown and black peoples um, uh, thrown at, at at white people. Um, I think there's a lot of anger, sometimes hate, and that can be huge. So I understand why the shield comes up. And so it's more. So it's like, what ways can we approach race in in gentle ways that doesn't even allow the shield to come up. And if the shield comes up, how do we, again, how do we find ways to quickly kind of like just drop the drops the shield and regulate our nervous systems again? And breath is a good way. Um, I think it's like reminding people like, I'm, I'm not your enemy. I'm not here to like attack you. I love you. Just those just beautiful things that make you like that you want to hear from anyone, any space so that you feel space, uh, safe. I see you. I'm here to like, I'm here to celebrate you in your, in your best version of self. You're amazing human. And I want you to see my amazingness as well. And part of my amazingness is also the fact that I am a melanated woman and part of your amazingness is that you are a white woman and it's like um, what are the barriers, what are the things that are not allowing us to fully like see each other and I think and I think we can't like get to the purity of the connection without talking about race, without kind of moving through the trickiness of race because I yeah we're not taught it at a really young age like I think we're taught it in a very didactic in a very kind of unembodied way and it's always kind of very extreme and um, it's moralistic as well you know it's like if I uh, through whatever it is am racist therefore I am bad and yes a lot of bad shit's happened because of racism but through making it be like look that it doesn't mean that you're bad necessarily because then it's like that's not the brush that you're being painted with at the stage and we don't even really like you said need to paint with the brushes I mean but it can get tricky in terms of like again when we stop humanizing seeing the human in somebody like when it becomes like your what your whiteness becomes the dominant thing and my blackness becomes the dominant thing and we stop seeing the whole person I think that's where we can get stuck in tropes and that's where the shield um and the guard comes up and the distrust comes up and it's just like if you see somebody in their fullness like it's just not very likely that someone's going to like uh, react negatively to that 
like I, I, I find that such a lush space to be where people like when I'm really fully seen and when I really full, fully see someone, I just, it goes back to my, like, I love humans for that reason. Like we're so fragile, we're so vulnerable and we're so fucking beautiful. Like um, in all of, in all of it, in the yuckiness, in the grossness, in the exhaustion, in the joy, in the celebration, in the everything like makes us beautiful. Um, and I think for me, someone who's willing to kind of go, all right, like I hear you and I want to do the work and I'm learning and I'm sorry that I harmed you in that moment. I hurt you in that moment. Um, please know that I'm committed to um, doing less harm. For me, it's like, wow, like you're an awesome person. <laughs> doing less harm. Yeah, humans are pretty great. I say humans are soup. <laughs> we are so, you know, it's so, everyone's a different flavour. It's Yeah, and it takes all sorts of things to make us great mm. in a bit of time. Yeah, and I think to the kind of harm piece, like I feel like if we are not doing the work, we can harm. Like whether it's race, whether it's checking our egos, whether it's like checking our um, martyrdom can be harm, like can be toxic, like all these elements. It's like, that's why I'm like, I think for me, it's about returning to self to know what is my toxic elements. I'm a good person, I believe. I've got toxic shadowy shit that I <laughs> I want to work on so I can be a better and pet person, but doesn't stop me from being a good person. But, yeah, I'm not going to deny that there's things that I need to, like, work on. I mean, that's the beauty also also in being human. Absolutely, yeah. We'd get bored if it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining this vision of, like, a garden, you know, you, the self, as a garden, and, like, we have to get mm. our hands dirty to get some of those weeds, and some of those weeds have been there for a really long time to make mm, space for the that. flowers to grow. And, like, there's also times in which they won't, you know. There's, it's compost time, you know. <laughs> Shows that I am, uh, I know a little bit about gardening. I'm just throwing in now, I'm just throwing in my garden jargon. Like, you know, get out the rake. Just extending the metaphor however I can. If I was to give you a power to be able to, like, send a text message to everyone in the world, at one moment that had a message or to have a billboard up somewhere all over the world, what would it say? You are the creator of your own life. Boom. What are your scenes? What's your film? What's your movie? Like, you're the superhero. Like, what do you want to see? What do you want to create? It's fucking awesome. Like, we are bigger than what we know we are. That's what I would say. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> we've created such good things today. This is like a good little snippet, you know. We've we've got a tangible legacy right here. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say? What would your billboard say or your um I turned it into a yeah, billboard. Yeah, billboard. Yeah, oh, I said either or like it's there's there's various ways. Um it could be a t shirt, you know, it's it, essentially it's a global message. Like you never know. It could be in the water, um, <laughs> in the singing bowl. You just have this universal singing bowl that everyone has to, a keep cup singing bowl, water bottle that is magically gives a mantra that is, you are the creator of your own life. Yes. yes. <laughs> what would mine be? It's interesting. I was just recently asked that the last interview that I did and I was like, oh dear, I should know straight up. Um, Maybe it's today it's going to be humans of soup. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah. that T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, we, uh, we are. Um, and, you know, soup's been around for a really long time in all different places in the world, right? Um, it goes really well. <laughs> yeah. And I like this thing that you were talking about in terms of legacy, and this moment right here that we have created and are co-creating. 
and just thinking like it's that simple it's these conversations like it's these tricky kind of like icky moments like sometimes I could feel like race always like tends to I still have a very physical visceral feeling in my body when I talk about race I could feel myself like nodding up and in moments and then I felt myself release in moments and and me like stop breathing in moments and then remember oh yeah just breathe like like it's that it's that it's the kind of like breathing into it it's the leaning into it um for me that's where the where the juice is um where the human soup is made that's like the bone broth yeah that's the yeah i i think i do you want me to tell you what got me thinking about legacy is mm. i got mm-hmm. sent a letter it was a photocopy of a letter that my mum so my parents lived, my parents did missionary work in Papua New Guinea and Tonga um, with my mm-hmm. siblings. I'm the youngest before I was born. And mm-hmm. um, my mum wrote a letter back to her family in New Zealand about the Easter weekend that she experienced in Tonga in 1983. And this letter was very detailed and it was a real like it captured that moment so well and it got me thinking like okay well what have I got to capture this are people gonna look through my gmail you know are they gonna go through my instagram stories to be like this is who she was like I feel and I'd be interested what you think about this as a poet and someone who works with words is is because we live in uh we're so gifted with technology that we can show people photos of things rather than describing it because that was a thing she was describing every element of the trip and Mm. um that I feel like we've lost the ability to describe you know people are like oh man like I went to this thing let me show you a photo without their phone show me I'm like "No, no 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 describe it for me like what is it what was it like what did your senses say what did it smell like yeah and so now in some of the ways in which I live like how I journal I journal in like a legacy kind of way um (laughs) where like yeah just the spin that I want to to put on it is um whilst trying to be really authentic it's what I want to like leave behind Mm. and has that been like a recent thing has that been like a... I think maybe last year. Like a, maybe last year or the year yeah. before. Mm. I think it might have been last year. I think my mum might have sent this letter to us because it was Easter and COVID. I think she was like, this is also a really memorable Easter time. Mm. Yeah, I've been thinking about legacy quite a bit this week. Funnily enough, you said legacy. I was like, oh, yep, it's in the zeitgeist. Um, it's, in the, it's in the ether. Um, yeah, just going for me, thinking about this really specific time in history where made me think, cause I was thinking like, it's a roller coaster of a thing. Like some days I'm like, I'm generally okay. Like, I feel like I'm quite freaking lucky. Like I, you know, I've got somewhere to live. I live by myself. I have a job. Like in this time, I feel like I'm totally not the, um, you know, most vulnerable person. And um, however, this whole situation like is not natural. Um, And so in terms of roller coaster, it's like some days are just like better than others. And then I'm like, I'm not documenting it though. This is like this moment in time. This is our moment. Um, And then it made me think about like slave ships and like how we get snapped, even World War II or like it just made me think, think about how even like poets or writers, we get only a certain amount of people's stories and we get very snippets of things, but it's like so much actually happens in real time um, that 
made me go, oh my gosh, like, I wonder if there was like, what kind of jokes was happening? Like, because I think humor is a part of resilience. Like it's part of us. It's like, how were people like, like what were, yeah, what were the jokes? What were people laughing about to keep themselves going? What were they just, what was going, like that, I want to hear the internal kind of like monologue because I'm like, mine is freaky deaky. As I imagine, lots of people's are quite like, huh? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? I want to talk about that. Yeah. Those things that seem like not really important, but but make up a day in like living in a pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that too. When, when it was first kicking off, you know, and various restrictions were coming in, my housemates were coming home and like, now this person works here. Do you think we can see them? I think if we go at nighttime, I think if we go on two people, I think we'll be okay. And I was like, man, I could imagine that this is what it was like for the, the Jews during the Holocaust, that they had one restriction put on. No, you can only leave the house at this time more restrictions put on and then people navigating how do I see my partner how do I see my family within this yeah very fascinating time to be alive and I think overall to like draw all of these all of these strings together which like I don't have to do that but I'm going to try is then you can join me as well is like cumin the soup is complex you know um but like what perspective we have on it, whether we see we are part of nature, nature's beautiful, nature fluctuates, whether we see it as we are the creator of our own life, what lens do you want to play it with? What legacy do you want to leave? How are you going to look after yourself by doing what's here and now in the body? Is like you said, it's it's resilience. It's how to how to figure it out because we don't know. We could be the brain in the jar. <laughs> oh yeah and I think I think to be kind to everybody who is also a creator of their own world and going I don't know all the ins and outs of your freaking journey like but I know it's freaking hard because mine is so I want to give you the respect and kind of love um and not judge you because I have no idea of the yeah of the intricacies so I think kindness for me is such a a pillar of unification um, and I think it feels really scary at the moment. It feels like we're getting more divided, divisive as a, as a people, as a society and it just feels kind of like scary. It's like, let's be kind, let's be kind. Yes. Do you have any final messages you want to share with the people? Love. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's two people who make me laugh the most in my life. And one is my bestie, Akimira, who's in um, um, Kakadu working there at the moment. And I just snort, belly laugh, like... It should, like, I don't know what it is, but we just laugh. And so I spoke to Akimira probably on Tuesday. So that was the last time I, like, super, super, like, really laughed. And I don't even know what we – like, it actually doesn't make sense, like, why we're laughing. It's, there's no logic to it. It's just – it's just we make each other – like, it's in the tone of some like a, some, something we say and then we just – crack up and we can be talking about the most intense conversations in one minute and then one and then the next minute is just like we're like yeah I think for me um yeah friends friends have been so important like I love my friends um they've been giving me life during this period so hold your people close laugh thank you for listening to us for quite a while (laughs) it's worth it (laughs) and i hope you got something out of it (laughs) i certainly did thank you so much for being here today ah you're an absolute gem thank you thank you for the invitation so are you Thank you so much for listening and sharing your time with me this week. 
For this podcast to continue, I could really use your support. If you enjoyed the episode, please screenshot it and put it on your social media, send the episode to your friend or family. And if you can click subscribe to the episodes, they'll fall into your algorithm like your old friend JJ popping into your ear every week. I appreciate it so much. And as well as listening to this podcast, you can just keep on listening to your own wisdom by asking the questions, big and small, like, does it hurt when you do that? Don't do that.